Welcome back to episode 5 of an Irish Simpsons chat show. My name is Keith McGrath and back this week again and uh, sticking to the team of um, music journalists I suppose. This week we've got a music journalist for Golden Pleck and the digital editor of Sold Out magazine and a host of Garden Gigs on Quarantine FM. Welcome Caelan Coffey. Hi, how are you? How are things? I'm keeping good. How are you keeping, man? Ah, tipping like quarantine's going well. Um, I'm enjoying not having to talk to people. Um, and yeah, it's tipping like it's grand. Once the football's back, I'm fine. <laughs> I've got to keep in my best behaviour now because Caelan is a former boss of mine at the Express. Big win for the, the paper last night, Caelan. A good thing to see, isn't it? Absolutely. It's fantastic. I mean, a lot of the kind of awards are kind of normally uh, Dublin dominated or Limerick get a good few. It's the first while, time in a while we've kind of got something. So it's good to see, like, absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose, I suppose to, to get things going, do you want to give us a bit of an insight into what you're working on at the moment, Caelan? Yeah, at the moment... Um, as you said, uh, I'm the digital editor of Sold Out, so I'm kind of working on a lot of their content, both interviews and videos and podcasts. Um, I just started my own podcast, well, podcast slash online series. It's called Master Your Craft, where we kind of talk to people um, about what they're interested in, about their passions over some of Ireland's best craft beer. Um, and then, and as well as that, I'm doing a weekly radio show at Quarantine FM, where we focus on all Irish music, um, kind of try to give it diverse uh, diverse a field as possible because i know we focused on women last week we're focusing on claire and kind of that area of the country this week and then next week we have a full metal podcast kind of running through the history of irish heavy metal um so yeah we're trying to be as diverse as possible so that's kind of the stuff i'm working on at the moment as well as trying to do my dissertation and finish my master's so you you spoke there Kevin, about the uh, importance of diversity on, on quarantine fm and i noticed there your own show was pretty pretty strong in in terms of diversity of artists do you think this is a kind of prevalent issue in irish music well i think it's absolutely critical like um for a long time ireland has kind of been known as you're either the rock band type of ireland or you're the singer songwriter or a lad with a guitar damien rice type of ireland um, but now over the last 15 20 years we're seeing a very diverse field of music with the inner eyes and alternative rock, a massive rise in hip hop, R&B, Jafaris, people like that. Um, and it's just really important to kind of give these artists a platform of their own and give them the space to grow and don't just come back. Like it's very easy for Irish radio to kind of just lay back on their laurels and play the likes of Fontaine's, Inhaler over and over again, people like that, um, and kind of go back to U2, play a bit of Sinead O'Connor over and over. But it's very important that we kind of Try, try something new, try to diversify. Obviously with heavy metal, heavy metal doesn't have its own audience and stuff. Hip hop didn't have its own kind of radio audience until the past, I'd say five years in Ireland. So it's it's incredibly important that we kind of give people the space and the option to, to get their voices heard, to get their music heard in the hopes that even if like say some a young child is listening to the radio that while they may not play the guitar, they might have an interest in poetry or have an interest in hip-hop or be, want to play the drums or something like that you know just give people as wild a field as possible so that everyone's kind of interests are as varied as possible yeah i mean i suppose um the question you said there like you mentioned about diversity and where do you think people should look uh, in terms of within the irish music scene where do you think that these other artists that aren't being given the platform uh are um well like, first of all, it's important to note that RT are trying their best. I mean, they have Peter Curtin on every night and he plays a lot of alternative and R&B music on in the evenings. And that's very important. He's really good. He's great for giving people a platform. Um, 
and then people are trying but it's very easy again if you run a quest shows or whatever to just get the the basic drake slash the biggest hit in the us or the uk um, and it's very easy to kind of forget the people and the artists we have here which i think is criminal but look that's the way the radio is at the moment that's the way popularity that's the what that's what spotify has done it's made the world a smaller place and kind of your local doesn't seem as local anymore because it's all just online um, if you are looking for alternative places, though, in terms of metal, there's the Metal Cell podcast, which does really great stuff around metal music in Ireland and mental health. There's District for more alternative stuff, obviously sold out. Um, there's a ton of platforms out there. Um, Diffusion Lab are always producing great stuff. You have the Fire Collective. You have Burner Records. I mean, there's so many places to kind of go looking, but the great place to start would be the online platforms in that district golden plaque and sold out yeah fantastic and i suppose you'd be someone who's been well tuned into the irish music scene as long as i've known you anyway um do you want to give us a quick insight into your new podcast might be the wrong phrase i don't know how you how you'll refer to it but um master your craft yeah no master your craft is something i've kind of developed i'm not going to say i completely came up with the idea myself i did basically steal hot ones and just kind of get put alcohol uh, rather than chicken wings but I just kind of saw it and I was kind of thinking about it over during quarantine and stuff where I just figured now is the perfect time to try anything creative um, because the like the playing field is as level as it's ever going to be I mean no one can sit in the same room so everyone's just got the same online platforms and um, so now is a good time to start creating start getting involved so I kind of set up this show got a few guests on We've done three episodes so far. I believe the next episode will be coming out on Sunday. We've had Nick O'Donnell, fantastic music photographer. We had Finch. Um, we have Anna Rose Charlton, who's running Quarantine FM and founded Quarantine FM. And lately we got on Nilo. So it's going really well. I'm trying to diversify it in the sense that I'm trying to take it away from music because I really want to talk to some, like, I want to talk to people about fast fashion. I want to talk to people about politics, you know, different bit of psychology, art therapy, music therapy. Um, I really do want to kind of diversify the kind of content on that platform. But I think it's it's good. Like people are just sitting down having pints and chatting. Like it's a very simple concept. It's what we do in the pub every day. And so while the pubs are closed, why don't we just do it over Zoom, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember catching the first episode and it was that kind of nice casual vibe that you can get with podcasts. That, but sometimes that casual vibe can appear a little bit forced, but it really did um, did work. And I mean, like you said, it's like sitting down chilling with pints. Um, and I suppose maybe putting you on the spot slightly here, but um, can I ask who your dream guest would be, realistic or otherwise? You and I both know who my dream guest would be, Kian. Uh My dream guest in an ideal world, I would love to sit down and spend 20 minutes in Kanye West's company. Um, I'm not sure how much information I'd get out of him or how much sense it would make, Um, but just to even chat to him for a while. I mean, he's obviously is a music icon. He's one of my heroes. Um, I used to say that if I can have the work work ethic of Ed Sheeran and the never say die attitude slash brazenness of Kanye West, I'll be flying. so yeah so i'm kind of going for that you know and i suppose just going back to to master your craft there you mentioned how it's such a good time to um i suppose put yourself out there and uh i suppose take a risk creatively and um like you said i suppose that's why i'm here i kind of did the same with this podcast and um do you think that's something that we can keep going after the quarantine obviously 
not in the same way, but do you think that sort of attitude can lend to a good developments in the um, media industry in Ireland? That's a tough one. Um, I mean, obviously, in terms of working things over Zoom and doing things over the internet, the costs are far smaller. So it might be something that people pursue in the future. And it kind of makes, it's kind of making me wonder whether press junkets will be a thing anymore. You know, people kind of going to, say, actors coming to Dublin and talking to a couple of journalists or whether it all turned into over Zoom. Um, I don't know, obviously, because I'm not in that industry, but it'd be quite interesting to see. In terms of creating our own platforms, look, nowadays, everyone, it's very easy to set up a website, set up a set up a YouTube channel. And I think it is something that even before quarantine, that young people will get interested in anything with YouTube and TikTok and whatever, Snapchat, and people are setting up these platforms, Twitter as well. So I think it's something that's always going to be there. And I, I'm glad the option, well, maybe not the option, but I'm glad people are kind of sitting up over the last three months and kind of take paying attention to what they can do, how they can develop, uh, how they can develop their platform. And I think it will go into post-quarantine to be honest i can't see a reason why it wouldn't you know what about you yeah i mean i think the biggest aspect i have is that i think people are kind of more open to watching these things where they mightn't have been before you know Mm -hmm. the normalization of media conferences like football press conferences over um these sort of platforms has made the maybe lesser production quality a bit more acceptable on our tvs you know what i mean that way even for podcasts like i'm don't know how many podcasts you listen to apart from your own, which I know you mm. listen to feverently. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the audio quality of podcasts has gone down uh, to a standard that pretty much anyone can get. It's not about who has the best mics anymore. It's about who has the best Wi-Fi. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that standardization of content and standardization of platforms is very important when it comes to kind of setting up these new, these new ventures and stuff. So I suppose moving on to your uh, career in music journalism so far, is there any particular piece that stands out that you're particularly proud of? That's a good one. Um, there are two in particular that I, I am really proud that I've done. Well, three. Two for one specific reason and a third for something just because I felt it was something that had to be said and people kind of sat up and paid attention. The first two would be, I did a piece on the Samaritans and how the Samaritans are run in festivals in terms of people with mental health problems who go to EP or Longitude or places like that and how they walk around and help people who are having difficulties in these environments. I think that was really important because it kind of raised awareness that these people are here in the case of crisis. Um, and they really appreciated the platform and I really enjoyed kind of giving them that platform. And then similar to that was a piece I did not too long ago. I'd say it was about six weeks ago about uh, direct provision and the direct provision podcast, uh, Modern Problems, which kind of gave people an insight into the problem and also kind of gave them, it was an interview with the person who made the podcast and it kind of gave them the option and the opportunity to find out where to go to seek more information and stuff. So I found that quite quite useful and I really enjoyed kind of spreading that. Okay, it didn't do as well as the Samarathons one in ter- terms of readership because everyone, uh, the host was kind of doing an interview for every single platform. But I'm still proud of it. I'm still proud of the work that it did. And the third one is just kind of my own kind of self, my own ego. Uh, and that was in relation to kind of the, the racism and the what's the word, anti-feminist kind of 
connotations in a lot of the music of versatile and mm-hmm. what they've kind of been doing over the last couple of years. I was one of the first to kind of write a big piece about it and that did really well and it's kind of built up over the last year or 18 months uh, to a stage where again about a month ago they had to issue a public apology and no one really took it seriously and even I did one with yourself like we did a piece in the Express about uh, Versatile that were trying to sell tickets or SU were trying to sell tickets uh, and we kind of got that stopped and we're just just bits like that you know just trying to make the world a better place I know kind of talking about music stopping people rapping isn't making the world a better place you know but it's just kind of raising the topic and raising the conversation around that yeah and i mean i think the versatile piece was um like it, it's hard to gauge exactly where these kind of things can start but for me as someone who wouldn't have uh, much of an in-depth interest or knowledge of the irish scene it was certainly a kind of first time that i took note of the versatile thing mm. um and it was around the time where i hadn't heard anything about them i kind of dismissed them as oh they're just you know yeah. musicians i don't particularly like but it was um, definitely an eye-opening piece, I suppose, and one that kind of stuck in my mind clearly because, like you said, then we went on to work on that. That what it was only a very short piece and ended up gauging or causing a lot of, um, I won't say hassle, but yeah. conversation in UCC, you know, um, mm. about the, the, the competition that was going on at the time. But, I mean, do you think that that idea that versatile are the alternative music in Ireland, but in reality the fact that they're two white guys who are, you know, reasonably well off and well educated is kind of shows part of the problem with the Irish music scene in in certain ways is I'm not sure if it is a fault of the Irish music scene I think it's just the fault of the Irish music fan in the sense that I mean a lot of their songs and I'll be the first to say it like some of their songs are catchy and some of them songs like you'd hear at a house party and for a long time they were you'd sing along like before you kind of dug deeper into their discography and stuff I mean the song in particular that they were were kind of saying the uh, racist things on was quite well hidden and unless you actually went and dug for it it was quite easy to avoid so it wouldn't really be the problem of the Irish music scene in itself it'd just be kind of like not even the media it'll just be like the fans not paying attention to something that they aren't being asked to pay attention to if you get me, it's no one's fault mm-hmm. in the sense that like no one went out there and said, okay, let's let's all hail these these racist individuals that are spreading uh, anti-class um, sentiments and stuff. It was just a case of a lot of people got interested in one or two tracks and didn't dive a little deeper, you know? I don't think that's anyone's fault, obviously. But obviously, that's as again, I'm going to say obviously so much, but there is... A lot of alternative music in Ireland that is far, far better. And the problem with Versatile is just that it rose so quickly and it, they reached a point after EP in 2018, I believe. They just got so huge. They played Longitude in 2019 and then they sold out to Tree Arena. They got so huge so quickly that nobody quite took the time to understand them. They just understand that the reach that they had, if you get me. Um, which is quite easy to do, absolutely understandable. I mean, a lot of us kind of, we'd hear a track off someone, say a Drake, and we'd hear a God's Plan, and we wouldn't go digging much deeper to music they released three years ago, you know? It's a typical thing to do. Um, But I just think that they got this platform so 
they got so big so quickly that they kind of ignored a lot of the alternative the other music and the better music in ireland because they had this huge fan base and the attention and obviously humor played a part in that um, and the internet played a part in that but in terms of alternative music in ireland we have jafaris we have all the diffusion lab we have erica cody I mean, there's so many, there's such a variety. Uh, just look up District online and you'll find a vast array of information and artists. Um, I mean, there's so many, I couldn't even, if I started reeling them off, people would get offended that they weren't included, you know? So, um, but yeah, there's so many and I don't think it's anyone's fault that they got as big as they did, except for MCD, fuck MCD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I suppose just, before we move into the second half, um, a quick question would be, do you think the fact that they were so bullish in their response uh, formed a large part of the kind of the disgust, I suppose, in their like their attitude and the fact that they didn't really apologize? And when they did, it was uh, half-assed. Absolutely. I mean, it would have been very easy for them to come out after, because it kind of, this conversation started in june and july of 20 last year 2019 and it would have been very easy from then to kind of hit it when it was low hit it when it was kind of a couple of people rather than the whole industry um, and i just say look we're sorry we, we've removed the track um we apologize for any offense it caused easy enough um but instead they kind of they used it to kind of it's they threatened a lot of people and i know myself i once i published that piece i received a lot of hate mail from their fans and stuff um about that they just it would have been very easy to quash the problem very early and kind of it for it to be forgotten but then leaving it another year and then coming out with the the, the statement that they did which was absolutely shocking i think they mm -hmm. said they didn't realize or something even though i know for a fact that they did um mm -hmm. and i know for a fact that they've also talked to prominent members of um the black irish community um, about the track and they've tried to have open dialogue and stuff and the members of this community would come forward and they'd say look here's what you should do what you should do and they pretty much just ignored them as though they were giving them a token call um mm -hmm. which i think is quite rough as well i mean it's not going to help you at all um but i think it would have been very easy to deal with very early um but look Please do check out all the, the all the alternative music in Ireland, all the hip hop, all the R and B, all the electronica, all the bedroom hip hop, lo fi hip hop. And um, there's so much out there. It's really really great stuff, and I would highly recommend it. Um, and yeah, that's I think it's more important to kind of focus on the good in the industry and the good on in the scene, rather than kind of spending all our energy focusing on the one bad apple, you know. Yeah, that's, that, that's a really fantastic kind of sentiment, I suppose, in, and a good um, framing the Irish music scene, that there is so much good there, like you say. And I suppose for anyone who is interested, um, I know myself based off my Twitter timeline, that if they follow you, you're, you'll uh, they'll probably end up with a decent chunk of uh, good Irish artists on yeah, their timeline. Yeah. Um, so I suppose with that, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it. Um, the, thanks for coming on for the first bit of a chat anyway, Caelan. And coming into the second half of the show, we'll talk about your choice of episode, which was season... 14 episode 11 uh which was starting over or probably more commonly known as the tony hawk episode yes so that's one episode me he disrespects me and i'm just supposed to accept it that's right you're mine till you're 18 and when you're 17 i'm gonna know the end is near so i'm gonna work you like a dog mm -hmm. Woohoo!
You're still mine! And you thought I was a bad dad before. Except in this case. <laughs> that boy's about as safe living with you as a crawdad in a gumbo shack. Bart Simpson, I declare you emancipated. So uh, welcome back to the second half of the show after our quick break there and um, we're back to discuss Kaylin's episode but before we do that I'd just like to give a quick thanks to everyone for all their support over the first four episodes has been absolutely kind of mind-blowing and fantastic and as of today we actually broke into the top 25 film and tv podcasts in Ireland uh, by breaking the top 25 of course I mean we are number 24 and um, but it was a pretty fantastic achievement this early on and I'd just like to again thank everyone for their support but moving on um Kaylin, you chose season 14, episode 11, Barting Over. Um, do you want to give us a quick breakdown as to why you chose this episode? Um, yeah, absolutely. The reason I chose this episode was because at the time, um, I think I was moving house for some reason. Something tells me that. Um, but that was the only episode of The Simpsons that I had recorded on tape, uh, the main medium at the time. Uh, so I had Kalen's tape and that was the only thing recorded on the tape was this episode. So I just watched it over and over and over. And what an episode to have it. I mean, it could have been far worse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of the time people say The Simpsons starts going downhill. Now, it obviously gets a lot worse as time goes on. But these seasons can have some kind of stinkers. But I think this is a, a good episode, especially um, sometimes the celebrity cameos can be kind of poor. But these went between Tony Hawk and obviously Blink-182 who also appear. Um, some good, some very good cameos, some very good jokes too. Um, I mean, were, were you a skater dude as a kid? No, God, no. It's, uh, I tried once, but then I fell over and I gave up. Um, <laughs> I think I was about the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, like Tony Hawk has always been a person in our lives probably because of skate. I'm not sure when the first skate game was out. I think it was like 2006 and then they released mm -hmm. it on playstation and stuff so that's mostly how i'd know tony hawk and this episode um mm -hmm. but in terms of skating no nah, i wouldn't have known blink 182 either the only person that i could possibly have known at the time um was the fact that the judge in the episode was played by lois from malcolm in the middle um, oh really i actually didn't know that yeah that was possibly the only one i could have known but i'm not sure how far into malcolm in the middle's runtime um, mm -hmm. they were in 2003 when this was released. Yeah, it, it's a pretty, it's one of these episodes, again, I think um, I was saying to you in the break that most of the episodes, if not all of them so far, have been from before I was born, um, which probably gives an idea of people that I'm not that old. But um, this is one that I can remember vaguely at the time. I suppose it, it released in 2003 in America, early 2003, and the way things went, it might have been kind of 2004, late, uh, early 2004, maybe even late 2003 that it came out here. Mm. Um, and I can actually remember it being advertised vaguely. I can remember Tony Hawk, it being a big deal that this episode was coming. And um, I can remember sitting down and watching it when it premiered. And it, it's quite a good one. There's some very good jokes in there. I think you said you'd a few oh, written down, but there's some great absolute joke. classics. Um, the first one, one of my favorite lines is, the larynx is not a plaything. Uh, <laughs> when Bart is choking Homer with his belt. <laughs> um, and then the second one is, you're mine until you're 18, and when you're 17, I know the end will be near, and I'm going to work you like a dog. Uh, from Homer, when he was threatening him uh, for being sued. And then the classic, I mean, the what would Jesus do uh, bracelet or whatever he's wearing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Homer just goes, Jesus, I thought it was Geppetto. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really good Homer. It's kind of the good time before they made Homer really stupid. Yeah. When 
obviously in the earlier seasons he, he's always stupid but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the kind of made him cruel I suppose in his stupidity yeah. um, you can see he's really trying his best for a large part of this episode there are times obviously where he's not but I think it's a it's a good episode to show that kind of there's 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 always these kind of Homer's trying his best as a dad but he's not a particularly good one episode I think yeah. this is a good example that yeah. as things go on he wants to impress his son and things like that and towards the end he well it, it kind of it's a bit strange the way he doesn't apologize, but he makes his. I think Tony Hawk tells him to do a one eighty ollie on his apology, and he does. Um, but it, it's it's a good episode in terms of characters and everything as well, in terms of their development. Um, and the only real cool bit of trivia I always try and throw one in is that this episode, because of its celebrity cameos, was advertised as a three hundred episode, and where it in fact was the three hundred second. It's kind of a strange thing for Fox to have done, but um, there is a joke referencing that in the episode, which is kind of strange. Usually, these are things that are referenced years later, but it shows how kind of on the um, on the button the Simpsons can be um, yeah. with these sort of things. Yeah, and the reason they did that was actually to kind of to get the this and the uh, Daytona Five Hundred on the same day because mm-hmm. they were the two big um, events on Fox at the time. That was the biggest viewership of the year was the Daytona Five Hundred. Um, and I suppose. Um, Interestingly, the uh, celebrity cameos we mentioned earlier, mm. and there's always been some fantastic cameos over the years. Have there been any that stood out for you above others? Well, obviously, the big one would be Michael Jackson, because um, mm-hmm. that was I think he was in, I think he was in two episodes. He might only have been in one. Um, there was another guy. Um, can't think of his name at the moment, but they had Aerosmith. They had you two were in I think the movie. Or mm-hmm. in something like that, they had David Byrne, um, some really good ones. Like, and then obviously there's Gary mm-hmm. Oldman, which is a classic. Um, Gary Oldman trying to fight everyone every five minutes. Um, but not some really good ones. Like, but there are obviously really bad ones. I think the bad ones are when the guest is playing themselves. Because um, I remember when the Simpsons went to the UK, they met someone. It was so awkward. They met someone on the street. Did, did they meet them, Ronat? No, they met Tony Blair, and then Homer says, I can't believe we just mess, met Mr. Bean. Is that the line? <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. It was so ridiculous. Um, but some of the ones where they're playing themselves are really awkward. Mm-hmm. Like the one with 50 Cent when he was playing himself in like a eight-mile kind of rip-off thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Quite bad. But some There's of them are a- really good. There, there's a bad one as well of um, Brazilian Ronaldo where he pops up in a soccer yes, episode yes, and yeah, he yeah. just kind of says some really stupid line and he's gone again. No, he said, uh, uh, no problem with Ronaldo or something. <laughs> Another family mended with Ronaldo. Or something. Yeah, something, something like, so the Americans knew actually who he was. Um, but like you said, uh, the one of the interesting ones as well, I suppose, is that there's been some celebrity cameos that have come in as cameos and stayed in. I suppose like Kelsey Grammer as Sideshow Bob is a huge yeah, name, you yeah. know, um, who's been a recurring character. Um, and there's been some other ones that have just randomly come in, you know, Glenn Close playing Homer's mom. And like you said, I, I would agree with you in a lot of ways that the worst can be when um, characters play themselves. I think I think one of the, the most well-known bad episodes is uh, home or Lisa Goes Gaga, where Lady Gaga turns up, and it's meant to have been absolutely awful. And I haven't yeah. actually watched that episode myself. And then there was the other um, one with Paul and Linda McCartney, where Lisa yeah. was vegan or vegetarian. Yeah, um, yeah and they just appear on Apu's roof. Yes, um, out of nowhere. Um, yeah, and I think, I think like you said, I think the Michael Jackson episode was actually voted the best celebrity cameo. It's actually been removed from syndication. It's not actually on Disney Plus at the moment. Oh, has it? 
yeah, because of obviously the, the allegations and the yeah, yeah. issues around it, they've removed it. But um, some really other massive ones, I mean, like Patrick Stewart playing the leader of the Stonecutters, um, Adam West. I think Adam West has made more than one appearance. And I think one of my, I suppose, to be a little bit niche, my favourites is the episode where Apu loses the Quickie Mart and um, James Wood comes in as a character actor trying to learn how to play a, a man behind the counter and he takes over the Quickie Mart. That's one that just sticks in my mind. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure why. It's Danny DeVito. Uh, as her Danny DeVito as Homer as Homer's brother, yeah. yeah. That's a fantastic another yeah. fantastic one. I would say probably my least favourite of all is and I like him as Macbain in the show, but when Schwarzenegger is the president in the movie, I oh, he's got I'm one good line I give it to him, but I'm not a fan. I was elected to lead, not to read. Yeah, that that's a good line. <laughs> but I think overall that one is just a little bit too I don't know what it is, too on the nose maybe for me. Yeah. But um I mean I suppose one of the questions I'd ask as well would be, you said there about VHS, but is that your real outstanding memory of watching The Simpsons as a kid? Or do you have that kind um, of after the news, six o'clock? Or was it not that big a part of you, of you growing up? It wasn't that. For a long time, The Simpsons was the last thing we'd be allowed to watch before we go to bed. But I, I figure that <laughs> the kind of, for a lot of people, that's kind of the general thing. Um, but before that, it was just more recently, it's kind of become a thing where it's the last thing on before the Champions League or it's the last thing on before Tipping Point or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I wouldn't have watched too much Simpsons. Like, we'd have the odd season DVD, but I wouldn't be one to tune in regularly or, or any mm-hmm. particular order. I mean, with RTE, there really was no order. It was just whatever one they chose each day, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. But, no, a lot of the things... my. A lot of my relationship with The Simpsons honestly comes from Simpsons Hit and Run and Simpsons Boxing. They had that boxing PlayStation game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it had come from that, to be honest. Sticking to the um, idea of your favourites, um, your favourite character in The Simpsons would be who, Kim? Oh, Ralph. I love Ralph. I just love... Ralph says some hilarious things. Um, obviously, there's the I choo-choo-choose you which is a classic, mm. but he's just, I just like laughing, to be honest. And he is, to me, he's <laughs> the funniest character. Um, uh, yeah, no, I'd choose him definitely, 100%. I think my memory of Ralph um, is, like you said there with Simpsons Run, is do you remember Simpsons Road Rage, the taxi game? Yes, um, yes. You could hit Ralph, and Ralph was the only character that just wouldn't move. Yeah. So he was like a bowling pin, so he just rolled down the road. Um, that's probably my memory of Ralph but yeah. I think he's also got I think one of the ones for some reason that's stuck in my head maybe it's a bit of a gamer as well would be uh, when he calls Superintendent yeah, Chalmers yeah. Super Nintendo Chalmers Nintendo Chalmers <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think Ralph is is absolutely fun. And like you said I think it's one of the strengths of the Simpsons like you said there the I choose choo choose you um, is the fact that you can get such a basic character with such basic kind of um sides to a story and then you can flesh them out so well in a, such a strong episode and really that sticks with you no matter how many episodes of Simpsons you watch you remember that episode and how bad you felt for the kid yeah no absolutely um yeah no I felt bad for the kid in numerous occasions one of the ones where um he says he wants to be a triangle I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> where, where he says my cat my cat's bread smells like cat food <laughs> or, or when he um when he comes back from summer and they're doing show and tell or whatever and he says and then the doctor told me that both my eyes were lazy and it turns and he's got two eye patches on <laughs> and he looks like an ant yeah uh yeah there's some, uh, there's some fantastic ones um another character that 
I really liked was Martin. I thought he was hilarious as well. He's very funny. And then obviously the German who can't run. <laughs> He's full of chocolate, y'all. Uh, <laughs> Uder. <laughs> uh, please, do, please don't air the German accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think Martin Prince also, yeah, like you said there, stands out. I think one of my favorite, um, I'm very cautious not to give out my favorite episode or character just yet i'm not sure what i'm going to keep him for but um, one of my favorite episodes is definitely where bart runs against martin for um for class president yes. and martin's putting up posters on the wall saying a vote for bart is a vote for anarchy and bart goes to cover it and he kind of goes wait no and walks away so <laughs> i think that kind of stands out as and again like with ralph i think there's episodes that um martin is kind of fleshed out really well whether it be, yeah. you know a lot of times like we see there he just gets uh, picked on by bullies but sometimes he teams up with bart and things like that and it, it, he's a really good character and all the kids there's lessons to be learned from each of the, the kids in the simpsons yeah no all the all the the simpsons is great for that sort of thing as you said kind of fleshing out characters the same with nelson uh his crush mm -hmm. on lisa and then his thing about his dad not coming back for cigarettes um i mean it, it does quite like the more you watch him you kind of just laugh ha, ha, at them but then mm -hmm. the more you kind of watch him there is something quite sad about them all and like mm -hmm. obviously Ralph with the the Lisa thing as well. Everyone seems to have a crush on Lisa, um, but when he gives it a card and then his heart breaks, you can get the exact moment where his heart breaks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it, like The Simpsons are really good good at that character development. I don't think there's any character on The Simpsons you could call underdeveloped. Um, mm -hmm. ex yeah, except maybe for Bowl Man. I suppose. We've come to a we've we've come to a pretty good end there, Caitlin. Um, yeah. Thanks a million for coming oh, on. Threaten, you want to shout out before we before we finish? Um, up? No, just as I said, just check out those artists. Check out Master Your Craft District uh, sold out, and listen to my show on Quarantine FM if you get the chance. It's on Saturdays now, so you have all the free time in the world. Saturdays at what time? Uh, it's on a three to five, three to five on a Saturday online. QuarantineFM.com. So fantastic. We'll we'll leave some links in the yeah, description yeah. of the podcast. Thank you very but, much um, for having me. I really do appreciate it. Um, had a great time for coming on as always it's you're, you're always a good man to, to to call on and a fantastic chat there i think about the irish music scene and stuff and um i suppose again before we finish up is to um thank everyone again for their support and uh hopefully we can see similar support over the coming weeks and uh like we said there's now two episodes a week so the next one will be out next tuesday at 12 p.m Yeah.